Hello and welcome back to The Mentors. This is Vadim. And Sergey. And you're listening to our weekly segment. Nope, wait a second. You're listening to a show we tell stories of ordinary people that became extraordinary founders, leaders, and entrepreneurs despite lack of experience, money, or connections. And one of the most intimidating things for any founder is to figure out how am I going to capitalize my business. It's also the thing, fundraising, talking to investors, getting money from investors, is the thing that I think there's least information about online. Certainly, you can find some resources about fundraising. We've talked about the topic in the past as well, but it's a bit of a black box for most people who have no experience doing it. Yes, if you want to go back and find our episode called The Reality of Fundraising and How Most Entrepreneurs Get Capital, you will quickly learn that most entrepreneurs never even talk to a professional investor, let alone raise money from one. So all to say, most people don't raise money from investors, but we do have a lot of people that listen to the show that maybe are first-time founders that do have this big idea that they want to figure out how to grow into a massive business and do believe that they may need to actually raise significant capital from professional investors at one point or another. So... This episode and the series of episodes that's going to be called Fundraising 101, it's going to have about three to four parts to it, is dedicated to entrepreneurs that want to learn the basics of fundraising from professional investors or people that are just curious about the subjects. Because Sergey obviously is a venture investor. He's helped start a fund at Venture for America before this. We know a fair amount about the topic. So hopefully you can learn a little bit about what we've been learning over the last, I would say, five or so years. Our first experience with fundraising, of course, we saw companies that we were part of raise money. Vadim and I, as you know, worked for a bunch of early stage startups before we ever went to start our own. We worked with companies that raised millions of dollars in funding. We worked with companies that subsequently burned through millions of dollars in funding and had to close shop and deliver the bad news to their investors that they're never going to see the money again. But when we were starting our business tacit back in around 2014, that was our first ever opportunity to think about fundraising and approach investors and pitch investors as founders, which is a completely different ballgame than as an employee just watching someone do it. And we learned a ton through that process. And look, it's pretty stressful. You know, there's a reason why typically the CEO in the company has the most upside. Certainly why founders have more upside than early employees because part of the job is doing things like begging investors for money, which most people don't want to do. Also, there's an art to convincing somebody that the opportunity that you're going after is big enough. And with investors, that is something that you have to do because in the end of the day, they need to make a return on their investment. And if the opportunity is really small, they're not gonna make money. But for us in the very beginning, we did not have mentors that we could go to to learn about this. We certainly had zero investors in our network, but the way that we learned is this little social network that was just starting out called Twitter. And the beauty of it was you could follow anybody you wanted. And we followed a bunch of early and growth stage investors who would write thought leadership pieces and really detailed content, long form content about fundraising, about venture economics and investment economics. And that's how we learned. But Obviously, most of the learning happened when we actually started pitching investors. Yeah, it's one thing to read about it, and then when you do it, you realize, wait, how do you actually raise money when you have very little traction or when you've never done it before, when you don't have 
any connections to investors. One of the early things we did to accelerate our learning about fundraising is we reached out to founders who were maybe six to 12 months ahead of us also starting software companies that raised not too much money, a couple hundred thousand maybe to like a million dollars. Nothing crazy intimidating where they were so busy that they would not respond to us. But we knew they just went through that. We reached out to them for advice, like 15, 20 minute phone calls. And just by doing 10 or 15 of those phone calls, we learned a ton about how to approach fundraising at that stage. But now we have a little bit of the hindsight because Vadim and I, as you know, work with tons of early stage entrepreneurs. And we've seen so many people that want to raise money. We've seen people that have done it successfully and have not done it successfully. So we now have a much better idea as to what investors look for and how you as a founder can start to gauge whether or not you're ready to even approach investors because it's something that we see pretty much every day now. So that's what this particular episode, part one of this series is going to be about when you should approach investors. Part of the reason why we're doing this is because we want to dispel some myths. And these myths are very much so present within most hungry early stage founders. Why do we know? Well, Sergey constantly tells me about meetings he has at his fund in NYU where a hungry entrepreneur sits down and just starts saying, hey, how do I raise money? Just tell me, like, what do I need to do in order to excite investors? And usually the answer is, well, a lot of hard work. I mean, we'll tell you exactly what you need to do, but usually the answer is, cool your jets, you're not quite ready, and you won't be unless you do X, Y, Z. So, Sergey, let's start with the X. What would you say if you were going to prioritize one thing or or really summarize in one sentence what entrepreneurs that are just getting off the ground need to do before they ever even approach an investor and start building those relationships, what would that be? The number one word that comes to mind is you have to exude confidence. And the best way to exude confidence is to back it up with some semblance of real traction. There's something that my boss Franks loves to say when he presents to students about fundraising, and that is that investors invest in lines, not dots, meaning it's never going to happen. It's very rare that some entrepreneurs pitch an investor and they get money on the spot. That's pretty much not what happens to almost anyone. Lines, not dots, means that investors want to get to know you over time, and every time they meet you, they want to see an upward trajectory, a line that shows that you are executing, you're gaining experience, and you are proving that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. So really what that says is, by the time you come to an investor, you need to be able to convince them that you're more of an expert in the industry than they are, and they see a lot of companies and they invest in a lot of companies, so you have to know enough about the industry, the sales process, the technology, whatever it is that you're doing, where you can talk about it even at more length and with more conviction than they would. And you need to prove to them that when they give you money, it's just going to add fuel to the fire, that you're just going to take what you've done already and multiply it 10x or 100x. Exactly. And now look, it is absolutely true that there are entrepreneurs that can raise money in a week or in two weeks after just a handful of meetings with investors. Those entrepreneurs are proven entrepreneurs. They've either raised money before, they've been parts of accelerators, or they've already had successful exits with their startups. Yes, of course, when you have a network you can go to, you can activate that network immediately. You know already how to position your business, how to excite them about the big vision etc, etc, etc. And you can raise money quickly. You know how to talk their language, you know how to agree on terms quickly. And usually that moves the ball in an accelerated way. So there is a way to do it. And that answer is you actually already have to have some kind of success. So this episode and the advice we're giving is, of course, for 
first-time founders or maybe multiple-time founders that haven't had that exit yet or have not raised money before? Most entrepreneurs, you're going to raise money over time. So in the beginning, you might raise, you know, you build a little bit of traction validation. You might raise a couple hundred thousand dollars, then maybe in the high hundreds of thousands of dollars, then maybe in the low millions. Yes, there are exceptions. Last year, there was a company that pitched our fund that was in a really hot space that a lot of investors wanted to invest in, and they seemed to have technology, and it was in the machine learning space, that could revolutionize the space. Anytime you have something that could change the industry, investors might want to take a bet. Now, they didn't have any revenue, but they did have a wait list of 3,000 users signed up because of how exciting the potential of this technology was. And they were able to raise about, uh, I think it was about $2 million within like one and a half months. But I've that's like one of the only times where I've ever seen that. And I think the only reason why they were able to do it is because they had a backlog of people signed up. They had technology that they could show had the potential to revolutionize the industry. And they had three people that could actually execute on that technology. So, but that's kind of like, a, that almost never happens. That said though, it, actually they had a bunch of the things that you need before you approach an investor. They didn't have complete validation in the market. They didn't have anything per se that may have been that scalable or proven yet, but they did have three core things that you just mentioned, and I'll reiterate them now. And if you don't have all three of these, don't approach investors. Now, there is a caveat here. If you have professional investors or wealthy people in your network that you want to run these ideas by, you can talk to them relatively early. You can start planting the seed relatively early, and you don't necessarily have to have all these three. But for the most part, the rule of thumb is you are not ready for venture money or professional investor money until you have these three things. One is team. Okay, the team that is the domain expert, the team where everybody has the skills that you need to bring this to the next level is already together and incentivized and motivated to continue working. The team, the product, something that already exists that can be tested, something that's already working somehow, something physical and real that someone can see. And it could be it could be just a prototype or even a visual prototype or clickable, but it has to be something that feels real. So team, some kind of product or neo product, and customer. Now, that might mean a customer that's already paying. That might mean a user that is already using the alpha version of your product. Or it could be an enterprise business that has signed a letter of intent to buy your product when it is ready. But having some kind of relationships already established with your customer. And more importantly, knowing who your target customer is. In other words, being able to communicate to investors that you deeply understand your addressable market and the size of it and who you're going to sell to first. And demonstrating an ability to reach that customer, meaning maybe it's through existing relationships or network that you have. Maybe it's through uh, journalists at publications that you're connected to. Maybe it's through influencers that you have in your network or you've started to reach out to in your network. But being able to prove that you're not just saying you're going to do these things, you already started executing on them and you have a way of getting there. You might ask though, well, okay, how do I know if for my product I need to have revenue or just users or daily users or a thousand or 500? It really just depends on your industry. We're not going to be able to talk through each industry today. My advice to you is to reach out to someone that is in a similar space. Maybe they have a consumer product. If you're building a consumer product, maybe they have a business to business enterprise product if you have one and 
try to get an answer from them as to what investors were asking them, what kind of traction did investors want to see from them when they were pitching them. So now let's try to poke some holes because one of the things that you need to get good at is talking the language of the investor, but also anticipating what they're going to ask you so that you can handle whatever comes your way. In sales, that's called objection handling. In fundraising, it's essentially the same thing because you're selling the investor on your opportunity. Let's say you don't have the full team yet, but you have the product and some customers. Can you raise money? Only if you can have a very convincing path to either having that team or substituting that team with something else that will get you there. Such as, let's say, an offshore team that you already have a strong working relationship with that you've tested. Typically, investors see a company that doesn't have a well-rounded team or a full team as a risky investment because things can fall apart. They're more likely to go wrong. There might be more reason for somebody to give up. And so because it's more risky, they might not be that likely to invest and therefore you're not ready to approach investors. Okay, what if you have the team and the product but no customers or very little customer traction? but you need some money to keep on going in order to do the sales and the marketing. Then you might be able to attract some dollars from, let's say, an angel investor that's been in this space for a long time that sees your product as something that is really necessary. They know they have conviction that someone will buy when the time comes because they see that nothing else exists that solves that problem. Maybe from that person, you'd be able to raise money. For most people, you're gonna have to prove that you have a way to generate demand even if you're not the demand generation, you know, sales or marketing expert, you have a pathway to generating that demand. I will say, if you can't demonstrate at all an ability to get customers excited, it's gonna be a long shot that you're gonna be able to raise money. Now, as Sergey said, there are exceptions to the rule. You might be able to get some capital, but what we're talking about here is, are you ready to approach investors broadly? Are you able to do a full court press, if you will, a blitz to start getting a bunch of investor meetings on the calendar so you can put together a round? And the answer is if you don't have all three of these, you're not. And of course, you might have a team and you might even have access to a network to close deals. But unless you already have revenue coming in, which means you should have some kind of product already outlined or prototype, then you're probably not ready. Because if you have a team and you have an idea of what customer you might want to sell to, but no product, there's no validation that's been done yet. And the investor will typically poke holes in your idea because they'll say, well, sure, you have access to certain people that you might close a deal with, but you haven't. Or maybe the people that you're going to be selling to once you have a product are completely different than the network that you already have. So that's something that you still have to validate again to de-risk the investment. So when we were starting that company, Tacit, We did have these elements lined up, at least we thought we did. We had a team, Vadim and I, and our technical co-founder, Anim. We had a product, we had a version of a product that was already deployed, and we had customers. We had customers paying us in the thousands of dollars. They were small customers, but we did have them. They were using the product and paying for it. Yet, when we tried to raise money, we weren't able to do it successfully at that time. And we actually struggled with that question at the time. Again, we knew much less about this than we know now. But we kept on struggling with the idea of should we really push on sales or should we raise money? We were closing relatively small contracts, so we decided we need to raise money to keep us afloat. But here's why we think we weren't able to raise money successfully. Yes, we did have sales. Yes, we did have a product. Yes, we did have a team. But they didn't sufficiently de-risk the investment for investors, and here's why. We had a product that worked pretty well, but by the time we released it, we had a lot more competition in this space, right? So we needed to be much better than we were. Second, we had customers, 
but the customers were not big enough. We were approaching smaller customers with a sales cycle that wasn't too long. That's why we decided to go after the smaller customers in the beginning, but we would have to close a lot more of them for the venture economics to make sense, right? For the investor to be excited. So we should have gone after bigger customers that would have shown the investor there's a better pathway to sustainable revenue. And three, the team was great, right? There was the three of us, but we needed to supplement it with other people on the team that had strength, for example, in in backend development and database management. And we had burned through a couple people trying to do that. We still hadn't identified the one strong person that's gonna be able to do that backend work for us. And so that was still a little bit too risky for investors. Maybe in six months, we would have been able to raise, but we had pivoted to another business uh, by that time. Now, I will say that even though we weren't successful in raising money and we did have some offers from angels to uh, take on some uh, initial investment, but we didn't feel confident about closing out the whole round and so we didn't want to take money from them. Even though we weren't successful at closing a round of financing, we were though, I think, ready to approach investors at that point because we were getting meetings very consistently and uh, I think with relatively low lift. We'll talk about in our next episode how we got those meetings, but I will say because we at least had those three and some semblance of something that might work, we were ready to approach investors, but there were still some holes that we had to plug in order to actually close the round. And there's a lot of people that start raising money and get meetings, but never do, or give up on their 100th meeting when maybe the 101st meeting with an investor is the one that would actually be the one that would give them the money. And we've had entrepreneurs on this show that have done the same exact thing. Sometimes it's a matter of just being able to stick it out until you can raise money. But unfortunately, oftentimes teams fall apart or you don't reach revenue, run out of resources and you don't raise money in time. That happens as well. I think for that stage where we were when we were trying to fundraise, had we laser focused on just angel investors that are writing smaller checks, twenty-five dollars to $50,000 checks and not wasted our time pitching venture capital funds that wanted bigger checks and wanted more traction, we probably would have closed a smaller round at that time, but we didn't really know what we were doing. We're pitching a lot of different types of investors, probably investors that never really had the intent to invest. They just wanted to have the option, which you have to look out for. There are people that will never truly say no, but when you look at their portfolio, they never invest unless you're doing you know X amount in revenue. So we should have focused on the right type of investor as well, I think. So if you think you're not ready to approach investors yet, you probably aren't. I say that partly because most of the entrepreneurs that we know that have been able to successfully raise money did it relatively easily. In other words, they did it when they didn't necessarily even need to raise money because they had cash flow or they had enough money in the bank to sustain them for a certain period of time. Usually when there's pull in the market, when people want what you have and you're generating some credibility in the market, you'll be able to close around from professional investors relatively quickly. Why? Because they are looking for those people that have the traction where they, like Sergey said, can pour fuel on the fire. So to be ready to approach investors, do have that traction, do more of the work, cash flow solves everything, so do focus on revenue and eventually you will understand the market better than anybody where you will be ready because you'll be able to handle whatever objection comes your way. You'll know the market better than even the investors that you're talking to. That's it for part one of our series called Fundraising 101. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how to actually get these meetings when you are ready at an accelerated rate, by the way. You don't have to wait months to get these meetings. It can happen relatively quickly if you do it the right way. Exactly. We're going to expand on a little bit of what we touched on here today, which is targeting the right type of investors and talks really strategically about how to actually get meetings with them 
that increase the likelihood that you're gonna get funded at the end of the day. And it can happen through cold outreach. Yeah, that's a teaser. Teaser, but we're gonna tell you the various ways and the most effective ways to do it as well. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on Monday.